Hello everyone, it's Sarah. I am unfortunately without Alyssa for today and possibly for a few podcasts as she is so busy that in order to make sound and healthy choices for her life, she needs to let me go this solo, sort of rogue if it were. So here I am doing just that. I hope we can still have a wonderful conversation. Well, I guess it's a bit one-sided, but I think that what I'm about to speak about will carry us through as it is the subject of choices, Uh, not just the ones that my dear friend Alyssa made in order to stay healthy and sane during one of the busiest times of this year, but what all of us make and at every single different time in our lives. And I feel as though there's a lot there's a lot about choice that makes me, I guess, tilt my head in a wondering fashion and think, now, what exactly are we talking about here? I think it's fair to say that in current affairs and throughout the news at this exact moment in time, there is a great deal of anger, frustration and shock and horror in the way that choice is being systematically removed from us after a long, long fought battle to achieve it in the first place. In many cases, it's choice of how we govern our own bodies and our own health. Sometimes it's choice about who we choose and how we choose to spend the rest of our lives. Uh, Do we choose to celebrate that in a traditional manner Oh, do we want to have a formal education? Do we not want to have a formal education? Do we have children? No children. Do we want to raise our children outside the school system? Do we want to raise them in a more uh, modern, democratic slash authoritative fashion or in more of an old-fashioned paradigm of authoritarian parenting, etc.? There are copious choices that each and every one of us face every single day. And I think even just upon reflection of my own life, I can think of many, many different choices that I made from, I guess, a moment where the choices could have been considered monumental to, you know, those petty little ones that we make along the ways. And I don't mean petty in a diminishing capacity, but more in this they're less consequential. They're day-to-day choices such as, you know, will I have this second coffee and get jittery by, you know, two hours from now? Or will I forego the wonderful tradition of holding the hot cup and mug and just be calm? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I feel as though what I want to talk about is choice. Informed or not, they are our choices, are ways of reshaping our destiny. And in that respect, it also has far-reaching ramifications for all of those around us. There's many philosophies in the world that believe that one choice can alter, well, an entire history that follows. And of course, all of the people close to the person making the choice. And I believe very strongly in that myself. And I feel as though informed choice is quite a wonderful phrase because to me it just simply means that one has either decided to get more information as to whether or not to make the choice that they are faced with or they have been just given the information or the person who is 
perhaps forcing the choice upon them is providing information. I think that choices made outside that paradigm without information are often done in an emotional capacity. And emotions, although they are incredibly powerful, oh, nature's forces within our beings, they are not great places to make choices that are important. They're simply too mercurial, too overpowering, and quite often absolutely too... I'm trying to center in on exactly what I want to say. I just feel like they're they're more like a flame than they are like an ember. So they don't burn long and slow, slowly and with a consistent coloring and in a manner that's not going to cause anything to be destroyed around it. They spike and flame up and quite often consume whatever is above or around them. And in reflecting upon choice, I also thought about how self-worth affects it. So I really do believe that our own feelings of self-worth inform our choices. I have had far too many circumstances of my own in which I have made a choice in, well, let's just say a moment of vulnerability uh, or, or weakness of confidence or uh, distraction because of complete and utter exhaustion due to perhaps a particularly difficult time that I was going through. And the choices I made during those times were not wise and they were not uh, lasting, thank goodness, and they were not what I would describe as something that was made with a full understanding of all that it would mean. They were made emotionally. Uh, they were quite often made in a manner that could only be described as spontaneously. Not to say that spontaneity is wrong, but when it comes to some of those choices that I'm discussing, it's just simply uh, not wise. <laughs> uh, in, in respect to so many of, of the students that I've spoken to over the years, there seems to be a great deal of a great deal of questioning and wondering and and sometimes sadness, sometimes anger and frustration regarding parents' choices. And I feel like I want to talk about that from two perspectives. I'll, I'll first of all talk about it from my own. I just had a wonderful conversation with a friend last night about about, just kind of tongue-in-cheek, talking about how, due to my unusual upbringing that could be described by many in this day and age, I guess, as as bohemian or hippie-like, uh, although we would not have self-described ourselves in that fashion at all, it certainly was outside the box and not the norm. And I would say... Uh, from a living perspective, you know, day-to-day -day living, it was a little bit more difficult because we didn't have all the, the conveniences of modern man, so to speak, or the first world nations that we were living within. But uh, from a soul perspective, it was immensely fulfilling and certainly gave me, a, seems, endless room to grow and develop as a human being. I feel like some of the choices I've made since then have been informed 
by those choices that my parents made back then to live their lives in that fashion and to raise my brother and I uh, for the first parts of our lives like that. I know that I quite often have to laugh and tease myself and have been teased by by my dad, by my mom, by my husband, and occasionally even my brother, because we both totally understand it, that my pantry is obscenely overstocked. Uh, it's like I'm waiting to be trapped in my house for days on end and be <laughs> unable to purchase food. Uh, I've had to learn moderation and uh, understand that the last thing I want to do is start wasting and I really probably don't need to have seven cans of organic garbanzos hang, hanging out in my cover just in case. But I think that that, uh, there's a perfect example of choice based on sort of an unreasonability that is led by emotion. Because not that we were ever starving as children, but we did live close to the wire and uh, food came in when there was money available. And if it wasn't coming in from a grocery store, it had to be, we were reliant on the weather and the way things were growing in the garden. So I think there's a little part of me that likes to feel as though I'm in control of that now. So I'm going to go out and purchase the 19 cans. Oh, I've increased the amount. <laughs> many, many, many cans of organic garbanzos to be hanging out. Uh, and that, I mean, that, unfortunately, I'm going to confess, is just the beginning. I have probably seven different types of dry pasta in my cupboard. I've got copious, healthy, dry cereals. Uh, luckily, most of them are non-perishables for the most part. I finally got over the perishable uh, issues that I had because I really do dislike wasting. So those choices that I make are because of certain things from my childhood. And one could say that they were from my parents' choices. Also, I guess perhaps the idea to live a little bit uh, off, no, I wasn't really truly off the grid, but a bit off the grid. I I look around at my home and the way I, I lead my life now. And yeah, I'm independent. I, I don't work for one person. I chose my husband late in life. I chose to have a child late in life. But I still live in a suburb. Um, I live in a house that I've paid a mortgage on and am just about mortgage free. I've owned a vehicle of some sort or another for, oh, I guess the last ah, 30 years about. So I would say that I have made choices to be a little bit more trapped by material trappings than my parents ever did. And whether or not that was done in some sort of inner rebellion or maybe just a sense of wanting to feel a security that maybe I felt was missing, it's hard to say. I certainly don't feel any regrets for the way I've lived my life. I don't feel any regrets for the way my parents lived their lives, which affected us on that level, because it all it was all comprised to make who I am and to make me aware of of what makes me comfortable and perhaps how I want to move forward. So all that to say, from my personal perspective, I can say that my parents' choices, I, I do notice how they affected me. I also can say it from a, a dance career choice perspective that 
both my parents came from families that uh, didn't offer a lot of of support, um, personal empowerment, or um, validation of personal choices, and were given pretty clearly defined ideas of what they had to do in order to be successful or to be approved of. And they both separately, and then when they came together, decided that they would eschew all of that when they came to raising children. So they went out of their way to make sure that both my brother and I felt as though there there was a clarity on expectations. Uh, the expectations were that we would finish school and that we would both be able to provide. And when I say school, I mean high school and that we would both be able to provide for ourselves, that we would be self-reliant. That was very important to both of them. My dad really didn't go much past that as far as uh, pursuing goal setting or or anything else other than just by the way he lived and the way that we conversed. It was pretty clear that he wanted both of us to push to find our inner potential and push to find all that we were capable of intellectually and all that we were capable of spiritually and to not just ever dumb down or sort of blend into a mediocrity that didn't ask of ourselves more when there was more inside. My mom, especially when it came to dance with me, was so encouraging and Although she too heard the the words of caution from my own beloved dance teacher and then not so kind uh, determinants from other dance teachers that basically said, you know, it would be very difficult for Sarah to have a career in ballet, uh, classical ballet, um, near impossible, in fact. She was she was determined to make sure that I felt like I was following what I needed to follow along the lines, both my mom and my dad were encouraging and also helpful enormously by driving me so many places to uh, further my teaching, which I did start doing informally at 11. And then formally uh, at a recreation center in Aldergrove. And I lived outside of Fort Langley by 14. And I was making a really decent wage by 14. And that went towards point shoes and festival fees and costumes and summer schools. And sometimes it went towards, you know, a clothing item that I wanted or a leotard or, yeah, I I really, I felt it very important to help out. My parents made it clear that it was a necessity and that if I was going to pursue this, that it had to be clear, especially to my dad, that I felt so seriously about it, I was willing to fight for it, in other words, to to really show that it meant the world to me. And in in that, he didn't mean to do some dramatic histrionics that, you know, I, I was going to have a passionate temper tantrum and say that, you know, if I didn't get to be a dancer, my life was over. He meant make choices that show yourself that you, A, can look after yourself and you you are pursuing something that will provide for you and also i think choices that fed me he was really he was really concerned by the deterrence that existed within the 
dance world towards me. And he was very concerned that it affect my overall sense of self and self-worth and, and confidence. And although not always in a gentle, articulate manner, he certainly did make it very clear that he thought I was extremely worthy and that never let anyone else tell me that I wasn't. And to know inside myself what I was worthy of and if I was capable of doing something, then to really do it. He never told me what to do, which apart from, you know, finishing high school and making sure that we could look after ourselves financially, that that was it. And I have to say to both my mom and my dad, I owe an intense amount of gratitude for that because that's one of the things that I do notice that in this day and age that so many young people are struggling with. There's a sense of, well, obligation in many family dynamics, simply because the children are less financially capable. Very few of the serious dance students that I've known in the last few years have possessed a job until sometimes after high school or until they're in a situation where their parents simply cannot support them any longer, or in some cases, sometimes in grade 12, when everyone realizes that the fact that they've poured every single spare hour into homework and dance has not provided for them a true sense of of inner strength as far as being able to move forward in a self-reliant manner. And I know it's a really tough choice for parents to make, and I know it's a it's hard. It's hard work to work and do high school and to pursue something, for instance, like dance, because dance is so exacting. The hours that it requests of you are, are long. Uh, they're intense. They ask so much of you in those moments. And when I say they, I don't mean a teacher necessarily, although that's certainly part of the paradigm. I'm sometimes just speaking about the in, the entire structure, the entire uh ephemeral art form itself asks so much of us. I know that nowadays most of the professional training programs are set up in such a way that oftentimes a dancer is leaving high school around noon and then often dancing till, you know, 6 p.m. at night, sometimes later if they're, if the school is set up that way or if maybe they're deciding to uh, dance in more optional classes than, than, other dancers. And those hours are long. And if they are still trying to achieve an academic standard of B plus and above, they're doing homework when they get home. So I understand that it can be very difficult to hold down a job. I am lucky in that I started teaching and the teaching I could do, I could do privates you know, right after school. And then I go to my dance lessons. Sometimes I did the privates on the side in between dance classes. Uh, Sometimes I would have a week. Well, I I quite often had a weekend job. I usually had the Sunday job working in the stables until I got too detrimental (laughs) to the way my musculature was building. Uh, And then, oh, and when I was younger too, I did a ton of babysitting, which is all weekends and uh, night times. And I also worked on Saturdays for a while teaching in the recreational centers. And then there was a a young artist program that was held at a Langley. 
And then on top of all that, keeping up my academic standard, I was able to apply to for a bunch of scholarships after high school. So I did feel like I was contributing. I did feel as though I was, I guess, in a sense, proving how serious I was about what I was doing. And I was also proving, I think, not just to my parents, but proving to myself, you know what, you could survive doing this, because you're okay with this, you're okay with this schedule, you're okay with working this hard, you're okay with the sort of scrabbly mentality you sometimes need to have where your wages are not all coming from one stable and and consistent sort of uh, calm source. Sometimes it's from all over the place. And I feel like I, I become reluctant when I'm talking to other young people about the choices I made, because the choices I made were, again, informed by the way my upbringing was set up and the way my parents didn't want to coerce me and they didn't want to insist upon me doing any one thing. Uh, the school system tried very hard. I I had a lot of bribery thrown my way for uh, huge scholarships. They would be academic, of course. And uh, by by grade 12, I just simply refused. But in grade 11, I still, I still attempted to fulfill, I guess, a, a little bit of a sense of I'm going to say it was a challenge. I mean, I, I kind of thought, well, you know, could I still get the scholarship and keep up the schedule that I have? And wouldn't it be kind of nice to, to have the scholarship, even though I'm never going to use it? <laughs> I think it was just one of those, I I do like challenges. And I I made that choice. I made that choice to pursue that goal and make that uh, particular year more taxing for myself. By grade 12, I realized that I needed to focus in on on where I wanted to end up, which was Europe, and earning money for that, and working on my technical ability as a dancer, and doing as well as I could in the classes that I was in, but I was no longer going to pretend to any of the faculty or the principal at large that I was vying for the same academic scholarships as the kids that actually really, really wanted them and would use them. And I think that brings me to another really important point I know this isn't going to be a popular opinion, but bodies atrophy, brains don't. I hope that by now I've made it quite apparent that I am capable of carrying on a fairly articulate, sometimes profound conversation. And my higher learning didn't really begin until I was in my late 20s. Before that, it was autodidact. I read well, constantly. I've always read. I picked up books on whatever subject interested me at the time. I went through a time in my mid-20s where I was suddenly fascinated with world geography and memorized as many countries' capitals as I possibly could, plus all the states and all of their capital cities. I was very proud of that, actually. I'm afraid a lot of that has left my mind now, as so many academic facts tend to do. But I... I think that it's important when having uh, a truly understanding relationship with your young person that's no longer a child that is wanting to pursue their own life to give them choices that are informed by your own desire for their success, your own desire for their absolutely survival and 
their ability to take care of themselves and move forward in life in a in a content manner, but also in a way that understands that they are who they are. And it's not taking anything from you for them not to make the exact choices that you may have already made or that you maybe weren't able to make and so you wanted them to make them. Sometimes we inadvertently do live vicariously through our kids. Uh, I guess another one that that stands out for me is uh, RESPs. I have I have one myself for my daughter, but it's actually not that big. Instead, I have an account that I have started since from the moment she was born and have paid into it every month and any birthday money she gets goes into it and any extra money I get goes into it and it's in a GIC so that someday when she has done her schooling she has the opportunity to make a choice about what she's going to do with that money and I will have that to offer to her. Uh, My husband and I both would love her to be incredibly happy in her future and we would like her to make choices that are based on what she thinks will do that for herself. I I really don't have any designs on her having a post-secondary education but should she want one there will be money towards it. Uh, if she wants to go to an arts institution uh, there will be money towards it. If she decides that she wants to travel the world and, you know, earn money on her own to travel the world and perhaps work while she's away, that money will be sitting there waiting for her when she gets back for a different uh, set of decisions and choices and possibly for a down payment for a house. We all know how expensive that's become in the universe. So I understand, I understand about putting aside money for one's child uh, that and that's a choice that I was really vehement about and spoke very passionately about to my husband Michael because my parents had not been able to do that for my brother and I. So both of our futures was truly financially dependent on our own selves. I was lucky enough to get a couple of scholarships. I was also lucky enough to get a, l- a little bit of help from a dear family friend at one point you know, small, small chunks of money to work, go towards a ballet summer school. And I am also incredibly grateful towards that or for that. But essentially, my brother and I, we needed to provide for ourselves. And yeah, it it, it did remove some options. Um, Ironically, neither one of us was particularly eager to uh, pursue, I guess, the options that it removed at the time. I did not want to go to a post-secondary uh, institution right after high school. I had won a scholarship towards one, so ironically, I would have been able to take that for the first year at least. Uh, and my brother went into a technical training college and uh, has become a licensed mechanic. So we we went in two totally different directions, but we were able to provide for ourselves. And Uh, My parents were able to help both of us in so many ways. And with my brother, it was to provide uh, housing. Uh, He, you know, he paid towards it, room and board. But yes, he had housing until he was in his early 20s. And for me, it was a constant emotional and uh, spiritual, intellectual and loving support. And when I did come home from Europe, I certainly had a place to stay. 
and was given all that they could give me, but I never had um, a big chunk of money, for instance, that could have gone towards what I just related might go towards for my daughter. I do feel, uh, I'm reluctant to say this in any sort of black and white terms, but I do feel kind of interested in that because I wonder if once there is that that savings, such as in a registered education savings plan, does that automatically feel like more of a weight on one's shoulders? Does that feel more like an obligation? Does that feel more like a string attached to following a certain pathway? I I feel like I can say I've got some case studies in which I can certainly say that my students directly quoted that when they got to grade 12, they were terrified to inform their parents. They really wanted to give professional dancing a try because they knew that their parents had been saving up for a post-secondary education for many years and they wanted to honor that. And they had loving open relationships with their parents, but they were, they were just simply scared of, of disappointing them or having them have to forfeit it. From what I understand, the rules are such that it needs to be used within two years of graduation from high school. So in some cases, parents and, and um, you know older students got sat down and, and had a, what I think is a wonderful conversation, which the parents said, listen, we'll support you uh, going out there and seeing what is available in the dance world for you in two years. Uh, well, here we go again. Two years is actually not a long time to pursue that because nowadays there's so many bridging programs right after high school in which it, they are one to two years in which you are supposedly um, bridging the gap between your amateur training and your potential future professional career with professional training. And of course they cost money. But I think at least if a parent is able to support that particular segue, then what ends up happening is the 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 student, my student and their child, makes a more informed decision along the way. They haven't been coerced. They haven't been pushed. They haven't felt like they have to do something in a certain way to be approved of. And thereby, they tend to make calmer, more informed decisions. I feel like they you know, they'll go into these professional training programs and they'll they'll get a job on the side and they'll room with three or four other dancers and or or sometimes regular people, but dancers rooming with dancers is more common because then they share the same hours and the same, shall we say, idiosyncratic behaviors. <laughs> I feel like it's important to encourage our youthful adults to dream and to pursue their dreams as long as they are also pursuing reality. And by I, what I mean by that is, is that they they can look after themselves. There's there's a modicum of of self reliance and independence. I I don't agree with young people that want to live at home, and you know essentially still continue living off of their parents' earnings, and yet do everything their way because now they're done high school. I don't think that's fair. Uh, once you become 18, you're in many places considered a fully legal adult and thereby you're another adult living in the same house, but expecting to be given all the bonuses of being an, a dependent and and yet do everything you want to do on your own time and your own schedule and your own agenda because you believe yourself to be an adult. 
So there's there's always two sides of that story. Um, I think the choices that the young people make to be independent, I am I am constantly encouraging that. I will say to many of my young my younger students, or sorry, not my younger students, my more senior students, that if they are wanting to perhaps communicate with parents that are more intractable about a dance career, maybe not as supportive because they feel like it's really not going to provide sustenance or security for their young person. And you know what? That's okay that they feel that because in many cases it doesn't. But to not have the option or the choice to figure that out for yourself in a safe way means that you are essentially making choices for your child. And somewhere down the line, that usually leads to resentment. It usually leads to regrets. It usually leads to a rift that is hard to heal. And I think that my perspective on that is is that if we both make choices, so on both sides of the coin, the parent and the child, to move forward, uh, express independence as as much as we can financially, in other words, to have a job, to contribute to the household, to contribute to our training, to contribute to maybe our special eating habits, to contribute to whatever we can, and to also make choices to, to not burn the candles so completely at both ends that we are exhausted and irritable and unable to do any facets of our life at full capacity. And that as parents that we encourage and inform our young people to pursue things in a certain direction. And maybe we do the research to help them find out what that could lead to or what that looks like. Or maybe sometimes let's take the the more pessimistic perspective and maybe how limited that's going to be and what their actual job prospects will be at the end of the road or uh how hard that's going to be. There's nothing wrong with saying that, in my personal opinion. I think that that's part of, of living a dream, is, is that you need to have that waking reality as well so that you actually truly pursue the dream. Otherwise, you're just kind of dreaming a dream, and that will not give you that concrete foothold on moving forward, in my opinion. I think that... I very much try to live by the credo to let others have the same choices that I want to have for myself. And in some respects, that can be very difficult. I think when we have a dear friend that might be going through a really hard time in which you feel because you're subjective um, on one hand and objective on the other, you feel like you can help them make their choice more effectively. You have to remember that they're the one living the choice while they're in it and afterwards. And it's always easier on the outside. What's that saying? The grass is always greener. (laughs) I think that's when we're sort of longing for something that we don't have currently, but I think it's also for, uh, Sometimes when we hear someone struggling in a current situation, we just want to help them out so badly. We just want to remove them from the situation. That's not necessarily a fully informed choice. Again, that's more of an emotional decision. So I think that my 
biggest message about choice is, is that I feel that choices shouldn't have strings attached to them. I feel like choices should have information attached to them. I feel like choices that we make ourselves so self-perpetuated in some way, we need to kind of really see it from a, a colorful, colorful perspective and fill in all the shades and not just make it about, well, I feel like this right now. And also, if we are helping someone to make choices, we really would be best served giving them, well, like almost three fully informed possibilities so that they feel as though you have thought about them in the circumstance and you have thought about maybe yourself in the circumstance so that they have many perspectives. I feel like it's much easier to, it's much easier to make choices when you have that many perspectives. And I think that that would remove a great deal of stress and anxiety in many relationships if there was more consistency in providing a safe place for people to make choices for themselves, an informed place for people to make choices for themselves, and also recognize that what choices we might want to make for ourselves really does not count under those circumstances, unless we want to be a dictator. And trust me, there's been many a moment where I have looked out and around me in certain moments of society and thought to myself, oh, I would never have let that person do blah, 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 blah. And then I, I have to smile to myself and think, oh, yeah, really? So you're just going to keep people in rooms and or cages and let them do certain things because you think they're you know, worthy of that, you know, it becomes quite problematic as one again can attest to by current affairs. And last but not least, I want to say that I so appreciate my life and the ability I have had to make choices that resonate deeply within me and feel like they come from a a really warm place of understanding myself and a really deep place of understanding how what I do or what choices I make are going to affect everyone around me. And I just need to express gratitude about that because a world over, many people don't have that same luxury. Yeah, I... I also want to thank Alyssa for making the choice to do this project with me initially and for being kind enough to herself to make the choice to step back temporarily and allow some breathing room for the incredible workload that she has. And I want to thank all of you for listening. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you.